Well, as you can see, we are in Lent in a series on the Psalms. I was thinking the, uh, the offertory, who's heard the offertory song before? We haven't played it here, but if you've listened to the radio at all, there, there's two songs in our house that we can just break out singing, singing on occasion that I've heard recently. One is uh, Let All the People Say Amen, and uh, I, I love to belt that at the top of my lungs, and uh, we all will sing that. The other is Let It Go, and <laughs> I just wanted to do that to be mean. It's going to be in your minds the rest of the day, the uh, Let It Go song from Frozen, so have fun with that. Uh, Hey, it is uh, so good to be together. I was sitting in my office this morning when I got here, and I had one of those moments where I, I just felt sort of overtired. And uh, by the way, if you've not been to CrossFit before, we want this to be a place where we can be real and authentic and on occasion say we're worn out. So I was thinking, like, why, why am I, I feeling a bit tired? And I, and I looked at my schedule and looked back at the last week, and um, let, me, let me go through some of the things that I, I got to be a part of this last week. Because it tells me about this amazing, amazing community of faith. Um, this last week, I got to go to a uh, classroom at East High School where the teacher is a Crossview member and uh, talked to that class about what it means to get ready for marriage. And uh, the most important thing to me was seeing one of our people there in that setting living out Jesus in a really cool way. Um, this week, I also got to go over to Monarch Meadows and share communion with four of our, our seniors, which was an amazingly holy time. On a Wednesday night of this week, I got to go over to Minnesota State University and hang out with a group of students led by one of our Crossview folks and talk about evangelism. What does it look like to share and live our faith in this day and age and specifically on a college campus? Um, I got to hang out with a guy named Mike Brown who heads up church planning for our denomination. And one of the reasons we're part of a growing, one of the very few growing denominations is we plant churches. We believe that one of the greatest ways to share the gospel is to plant new churches. Um, I got to be part of a, th this is not going to sound impressive, but I got to be part of a missions budgeting committee meeting. And uh, what I saw was a church that cares about giving money away that we care about the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven all around the world. I had a meeting this week with a couple of our council members dealing with some business things, and um, I, I walked out of it blown away at the people that you have selected to shepherd and guide our church. They are profoundly uh, very godly people, and they're trying to do the right things as they, they lead and guide us. Um, there were a couple of babies born this week at Crossview, which seems to be a growing trend around here. Um, there were, uh, last night I got to be with the family as they renewed, reaffirmed their 25th wedding vows. Um, and then after church, we're going to have almost 40 people go through new members. Um, what that told me is there is a beautiful life of discipleship and Christ going on at Crossview. And that's just scratching the surface of it, isn't it? You all could probably look at your schedules and your lives and where you were living out your life with Christ at your school, in your neighborhood, with your sports team, whatever it is. And if you're wondering about CrossFit, that's who we are. We are a group of people trying to be disciples and make disciples so that more of heaven can actually come to earth. Can I get an amen? amen. That's what we're trying to do. So um, we are in a series during Lent that we are looking at 
what are called the lectionary, which is a way that churches use scripture. We're looking at the lectionary and specifically the text in the lectionary that are the Psalms. And as we've looked at these songs, the different way of sort of reading and understanding scripture, we're trying each week to take away one word. So the first first week, we looked at the word confession. What does it mean to confess and receive forgiveness? Second week, we talked about the word help, which is a hard word for a lot of us to say. Chris, in the third week, talked about worship, that at the end of the day, and it's intriguing in so many of the Psalms, the way the Psalms end is this posture of, I don't get it, I maybe don't understand it, everything's not answered, but I lift my hands up, I bow my face to the ground because you are good God. Last week we talked about mercy, and this week may be the most challenging word for many of us, probably 99.9% of us in the room, and the word is wait. I don't know about the rest of you, I, uh, I struggle with waiting. Um, it, it, if you think about your life, we spend our lives waiting, right? You wait in traffic, that's where my spirituality is tested most. You know, five cars in front of me and I, I lose it in traffic because somehow that's, that's really going to challenge my life. But we wait in traffic. We wait. Um, I, I have a, a friend who waited almost 10 years with infertility. Um, some of you are waiting to maybe adopt a child. Some of you are waiting for marriage. And that's really, really hard to do it the right way. A lot of us in this room, we we've, probably talk about this too much, is we're waiting for spring to come. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Gal at the first service beautifully said, well, Brad, since you took credit for the really nice day last Sunday, maybe you should also take credit for the snowfall that happened later in the week. And we excommunicated her out of the church. A lot of you students, if you're anything like, I, I can barely remember the school days, but I vividly remember spring and waiting for school to be done. Like the moment you had one good day, you're dreaming about summer, getting out of school. Those of you that are teachers, you're waiting for your students to get out of school as well because they've entered that. Um, we spend our lives waiting, if you think about it. We wait for a new job. We wait for a relationship to be restored. Um, some of you are holding some deep, dark secret inside and you're waiting to let it out. Waiting for a safe place, a moment, a relationship, a conversation, that moment when you can actually say, uh, here it is, here's that sin inside of me that I need to talk about. And those are the hardest ones. And that's the psalm we're going to read delves into this reality that waiting is hard, especially waiting in places of pain and sin. But the point is, we, remember, we all wait. The point is not, are you going to have to wait for things? The point is, who are you becoming, right? We're all going to wait. And the interesting thing about the narrative of Scripture, it doesn't so much give us the answers of, yeah, if you wait two years to get married, you will find, no. Some people wait their whole lives. It's who you're becoming while you wait and how you understand God in the midst of that journey. Those are the most important things. So before we jump in the text, let me pray for us. God, I pray that you would take your word and that you would speak words of life. And so Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my soul would be acceptable and pleasing, God, so that we as a community can hear you and hear your word. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit and all God's people said, Amen. Psalm 130, this is one of the songs of ascent. We talked about this when we looked at Psalm 121. Psalm 120 to 134. 
It is a group of songs that Jews, faithful Jews, would have said as they walked from wherever they lived up to the temple at Passover. And that was always an upward walk. And they would say and sing these. And and one of the coolest parts of this to me is we are looking at songs that we know for a fact Jesus said. When Jesus was with his family and whatever his community of people were and they were walking up to the temple for Passover, Jesus sang or said Psalm 130. And I think there's a beauty as we look at it this morning that we would hear words that our Lord and Savior actually sung. So we start in verse 1. It says this. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Similar wording to last week. This idea that there is a normative way in which the psalms appro- psalmists approach God's. And it's often just simply crying out in desperate help. Asking, pleading, God, if you're there, please hear me. I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord... Kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand it? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can with reverence serve you. This psalm is what is called an individual lament. It would be as though you took a pad of paper and you just started writing in your diary or journal or whatever it is. You're going through a challenging time and you just put it out, you and God. You wrote it down. It's your soul bared out onto paper. And that's what the psalmist is doing. Whatever the situation was, he's waiting for something that's a painful situation or there's some type of sin as he talks about forgiveness and he says that I I, I get that you are the one who forgives. You are the one who can give that forgiveness that is not forgetting it. When God forgives, God promises, even though knowing it, to not hold it over our head. That is big. And in that verse, the fourth verse, it's interesting that when we experience forgiveness, it always leads to service. Similar to Ephesians chapter 2, that we are made, that when we are redeemed by grace, we understand that we are actually made for good works. There's a flow that goes on. Now look to verse 5. This is what I want us to sit with this morning. Verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. I wait for the Lord. That word wait has the idea of looking for, hoping, expecting. It's like the loving father in Luke 15 standing on the back porch just waiting for that son to come home, waiting and waiting. Will it happen? Is it going to happen? It has this idea of eagerly anticipating that I linger in a certain place because I'm hoping that something might actually be resolved, whatever that thing is that we are waiting for. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. Not just I'm at home waiting for the girls to get off the bus at 2.55 in an afternoon. No, this is waiting for something that is big. My whole being is in this posture of I need this to happen. In his word, I put my hope. Verse 6, I wait for the Lord more than watchmen. Wait for the morning more than watchmen. Wait for the morning. The the, the ones who were there on on the gates waiting, making sure that nothing bad is going to happen. And they simply would wait for the morning so their job could be done and they could leave. You know that feeling, right? The psalmist saying, that thing I'm waiting for is so big and so intense that it is weighing all over me. And many of us in here this morning, we have that same deal going on. You're waiting for something. 
You're waiting for a relationship to be restored. You're waiting for a new job to come along. You're waiting for a, a, a place where you can actually talk about some brokenness or sin inside of you. And you feel it over the whole of your being. That sense that you're waiting for something. And at the core of that waiting, for really honest, at the end of the day, we're waiting for God to do something. And that's what the psalmist is saying here. It's interesting. If you look at the story of Scripture again and again and again, in the narrative of the Bible, God's people are waiting. I think it's, it's almost core to human existence. Think about the way in which God, God's people waited. That Israel waited for a king. They had prophets and they'd been promised a king. All the other nations had kings and they waited for a king and it, it came eventually, but maybe not in the time they wanted. When God's people were in exile, when they were under Egyptian rule, when they were slaves, they waited for the exodus. They waited to be delivered. When they were in Exile, they waited for deliverance. David, remember we talked about him the other week. He waited for the throne. He had been promised he's going to be king and then he was chased by Saul. Saul tries to kill him and he's waiting in this desperate situation to be king. Think of Isaac waiting for seven years for Rebekah. It's normal in the story of Scripture. No, it's normal in this human existence, in this land of in-between where things aren't quite perfectly right like they will be one day, that we are people who wait. And then the psalmist ends in verses 7 and 8. And we'll come back to these at the end. But he says this, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love. And with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem, and that word redeem literally means to set free. It was imagery that they knew and they understood. They had been slaves, and being set free was part of what they desired again and again and again. He will redeem Israel from all their sins. In this somewhat simple psalm, we don't know who wrote it. We don't know exactly what that person is going through, but it speaks to the core of who we are, that we are people who wait. We wait for the tests to come through that we had at the hospital. We wait for that kid who has walked away from God to actually come back to Christ. It's just what we do. We're people who wait again and again and again. And one of the beautiful things to the church calendar and why we talk about Lent is it teaches us what it looks like to wait, that we are the, in the in-between. Easter reminds us that one day a resurrected Savior will make all things right, but we're not quite there, right? There's brokenness, there's pain, there's turmoil all around us and inside of us. And so the question becomes, how do we wait? If all of us wait, and I believe we do, we wait on different things. The question is, how do we wait? And there's three words that kept sitting with me this week, I think, that help us get there. First one is this, and uh, you're going to love this one, patience. Um, I don't know about you, I, I hate it. I hate patience. Oh, God is okay with me saying that in the, the sanctuary here, but patience is hard. Patience is a really hard thing. I vividly remember in my 20s, 
I didn't get married until my late 20s, and I, I grew up in this sort of more conservative setting where people get married, you know, you get, you get done of college and you get married. This was back in the day, so my, my daughters hear this recording. That doesn't happen anymore. You get married when you're 42, and it's great. But I, I vividly remember in my late 20s being in this place of all my friends were married. My siblings were married and had kids and I am this single guy just wanting to be married and it wasn't happening. And that's, that's a hard journey, right? Some of you are there. Some of you are waiting for something else and the idea that I would patiently wait means this, that I don't take things into my own hands. It's a tough one. That I don't take things into my own hands. That part of faithfully waiting is that I don't become king and try and solve it. Psalm 40 verse 1 says, I've waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. That waiting patiently is highly related to the second one, which is all about part of waiting is, is depending I think at the end of the day, if any of us are going to wait well, we have to depend on Jesus Christ, King Jesus. You see, when, when I'm waiting for something and, and, and there's the sort of control nature inside of me that wants to go and solve it, when that happens apart from God, I become king of my universe and the end result of that is often not very healthy. So what does it look like for you and me to wait and in that process to name Jesus as king of the world in which we live and say, God, what does it look like to wait for this, to wait for that, to, to have this space where I can actually name that you are king and I wait with you in charge. Doesn't mean we don't act. It doesn't mean that on occasion we, we don't make steps to, to, to solve things. But we do it in line with the submitting to the reality that I fully trust and depend on God. I can't solve it on my own. What does it look like if God is king of that thing that I am waiting for? And the third, third word is this, hope. In the passage, Psalm 130 talked about hope. And at the end of the day, hope determines how you wait. If we wait, as people without hope, then we go about waiting in a very different way. We solve it the way we want. We get in control. We have anger issues because it doesn't work out our way. But if we wait as people with hope, and here's what hope is. Well, you'll hear this hundreds of times from me, I hope and pray. Hope is believing that that place one day off in the future when God will make everything right. And what that means is the Bible tells us there is a day when the heaven will come to earth, when the new heavens, new earth actually come down and everything is made right. Revelation 21 says there's no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more death. And we believe that that is one day that God will come down and will make things right, that in love and judgment, things will be as they should. That's what we hope and live for. And now in the in-between, what does it mean to be people of hope? It means that in the act of waiting, we try to faithfully follow God and live towards that reality. And that's one of the reasons that we jump into the word each week. 
that we say, God, what does it look like to faithfully live as your people? What does it look like to wait and to actually have that thing going on in me that I need to confess and it's a sin that I need to confess to a person? If you're waiting to do that, part of what we hear in this is that we go and do that. That waiting can be resolved. And for some of you, the waiting is around pain. The waiting is for a child, a relationship to be restored. Waiting that maybe that word you got from the doctor might be wrong or God might heal. And the invitation is to trust that God hears your cry in the midst of that waiting. I love, I love how the psalmist ends up this passage. He says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love. That word, those two words, unfailing love, it's all about the covenant love of God. That it's not about getting our own way. It's not about having things solved in our own time. The point is, if you are waiting and you're waiting as a follower of Jesus for whatever it is, the most important question is, who do you believe God to be as you're waiting for that to happen? What the psalmist says, I put my hope, I put my trust, I put all of it, that the covenant God, the one who comes towards, agrees to love us and love us well, is the God who will be with me in that thing I'm waiting for. It's interesting, the gospel passage for this week is John 11. And in John 11, you have the story of Lazarus dying. And Jesus comes and he comes to these two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Mary and Martha are distraught and and Martha actually comes out and talks to Jesus and says, if only you had been here. Okay, you didn't do it in my, my timing. And there's, there's, there's this really amazing interaction that goes on. But at the end of that story in John 11, we get at the heart of God. The text tells us that God, it's that, remember the Jesus wet passage? Right before it says that God, Jesus, was deeply troubled in spirit. That when you're waiting for that thing to come true for whatever it is, who you're waiting with is the key. And if you want to know who God is, you look at Jesus Christ. And what Jesus Christ shows us, there is a God who actually comes and wants to be with us in whatever that thing is. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that... um, as we wait for whatever it is, God, and I think in a room like this that there are some among us who are waiting for you, that maybe there is a living God, and maybe that living God wants to have a relationship, God. And so, Lord, I pray for those who are waiting for you to just come and be real, to show that you are alive. I pray that we would, those among us, we're wondering about you, would open our, our arms and repent and receive your grace and forgiveness. And then, God, I pray for the rest of us who wait for so many different things. Painful situations. News that was just horrible, God. I pray that you would teach us to put our eyes on you, to see that you are good and loving, that your unfailing love 
that was true to this psalmist thousands of years ago is true to us today. And that in waiting, we would embrace that. We pray this in your name. Amen.